Let's go in your heart being grateful for who you are, where you're at, the team members involved in that, grateful for your connection to the universe. The extent of the magnitude of gratitude can really expand there. So gratitude really locks it in, essentially letting go of the attachment to it. I'm absolutely grateful for where I'm at. If I hit this objective, great. If I don't, it's great too, but it's the thing I'm focusing on now and I'm going to lock into it. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, bringing forth the new wave of rising leadership and helping leaders find purpose, connection, and results. This is your host, founder of Alluviance, Alex Kremer. All right, welcome back to the Rising Leader Podcast. I am so grateful that you are choosing to join us today. I am pumped about the guest that I got on today's podcast. I will say this is a very personal connection to me because I have learned more about leadership and culture and so much around personal development and my self-connection from this guy right here. Words of wisdom flow through his mouth. So first off, Jake Merriman, what is up, my friend? It's good to see you on the pod here. It's good to be here with you. I knew this day would come. And it's like a long time coming. We always talk about recording some of our sessions that we're tuning into. So I'm glad we get to share the wisdom that comes out of our mutual field with others. It's really inspiring. So glad to be here with you and to share it with others. Oh, yeah, man. We should just be recording some of our one-on-one sessions, man. All the nuggets that come out of that. It's a lot of fun, man. I learned a lot from you too, just so you know. Your leadership influences me back and forth. So thank you. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Well, let me tell the audience here who you are, and then I'll let you fill in the blanks. So, Jake, you and I have known each other for what, like, I feel like it's maybe seven years, somewhere along those lines. In San Francisco, what, 2016, 2017 timeframe, I still remember walking into the factory, and then I was speaking with Zachary Wagner, and he was like, hey, man, I want you to come meet the founder of Epic Impact. And I went in, and you were wearing these big rimmed glasses, and you're like, what's up? <laughs> to meet you. And I was like, what's up, dude? Felt like I was in a good presence there. We've been a journey. We've been to Costa Rica together. We've been on many different retreats and immersions together. And you're not just a coach to me. You're also a very personal friend, right? And somebody who's very much on a similar journey. I love just hearing what you are doing, what you are bringing to the world. And you're a coach to many (laughs) different types of people's founders, CEOs, leaders, just people on their path in so many different types of ways. You bounce around sometimes in Hawaii or sometimes in Marin County in San Francisco, you're bringing the perfect blend, in my opinion, between not just being a visionary leader, but also the embodiment of that and the practices of that and how to really bridge that with society and carry the torch and pass the torch on. So thank you for being on here. What is important for us to know about who the one and only Jacob Merriman is that maybe I did not share here? Well, it's really relevant across my entire professional journey in leadership from corporate sales and corporate leadership to entrepreneurship, I've been asking a very similar question, which is how does consciousness function in the context of business? What is consciousness exactly? And how does it work to improve our capacity to serve as leaders in business? And that was a question that I was asking myself in 2007 when I was by myself as a sales leader trying to figure out how to cure anxiety and realizing that some of my accounts were worth more than others. 
And if I lost them, it would mean like I could potentially get fired. If I won them, then I was going to get promoted. It's like these big weighty things that sometimes feel like the world is on our shoulders as leaders. And I needed to figure out a way to overcome these funny feelings inside of myself. And I didn't really have great leadership. So I had to figure out a way to lead myself out. In reading books, I started to realize some of the greatest leaders were tapping into an intelligence that was just beyond the rational mind. And I became fascinated with that. So that became my theme throughout my professional career is asking that question, how does consciousness function? And how does it function in the context of business and leadership? How does consciousness function in the world of business and leadership? Now I'm like, why do I care so much about that? I'm like, oh, it's because I've been hanging out with you for so long. Because <laughs> that's, that's a very common thing that I keep on thinking too. I guess so you're welcome, man. I'm sorry. So you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a never ending. Like there's always more to pull out and more to discover, which yeah, is which fascinating. is fascinating. So if you love to learn, it's a really great thing. If you're not into learning, you probably don't want to ask yourself that question. It's a profound journey to find more truths. So take me back. So it's 2007. You're dealing with that. Hey, I'm a sales leader and I also have this anxiety. What is this consciousness thing, right? You've yeah. taught me a lot about the art of meditation. You've led me through some of the most powerful body presencing where I'm like, oh my God, yeah, he's in touch with the field there. If someone is starting to say, hey, I resonate with where Jake was in 2007, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And that feeling like, oh yeah, I hear you. What did he do? What has been your journey to start to understand that, your teachings, your teachers, the lessons, the experiences that have helped you to harness and to know this so people can go along that journey themselves? Well, I'll share a shortcut. I'll share what was relatively effective and what was very effective. So what was relatively effective is just getting on YouTube and insatiably trying to learn anything I could. And that worked to a certain extent, but it has its parameters. But what ended up being very effective was getting around teachers who were masters in their domain, whether it was masters in quantum physics or masters in meditation or masters in leadership, getting around people who have spent their not just 10,000 hours, but like 50,000 hours in a certain domain of mastery. And to me, that was my great shortcut. That's what I ended up doing straight on. So it's like, okay, let me read the books from those masters and then let me go to their seminar and let me learn from them directly one-on-one. That to me was the greatest shortcut was just getting around people who were in the top of their field and really understood how consciousness did function. Because there's a lot of watered down stuff out there. Let's just call a spade a spade. There's a lot of people teaching about meditation, but the source in which you're receiving it from really matters. It's the difference that makes the difference. It's the difference between, oh, this is kind of cute and it feels nice. And the difference between, oh, wow, this helps me be in a high performance mode and understand that time is not just this finite thing, but there's an infinite quality of time. And then I can get into this flow where I can be really focused and unlock and unleash and hit all of my goals, not because I just hustled and burned my adrenals out, but because I was really inspired and tuned into something beyond myself. So the difference in the quality of your teacher, your mentor, that. I would say has been the biggest shortcut. If I look at my journey, I learned a lot. I've got a terabyte of data from different coaches and mentors. I went through a lot of it in the beginning. I realized that, well, if I just go to the best people in their domain, in their field, it's just a lot more potent. And my growth rapidly increased when I was receiving it from the right source. And I even relate that to my journey as well. When I started this personal development type of journey in 2016, I was just like, 
pour into me, whether speaking with you, speaking with Rob, speaking with Ben, speaking with Mike, there's all these different people who I've been inspired by and also who have different types of domains. The consciousness with Rob, is he's been my meditation coach and with Ben really about vision and getting all these different types of things, the feeling of, can I pour into myself so much so that eventually I can start to pour into others? Here's the indicator of a really great leader. Let's just get into this. So a great leader is going to teach you how to trust yourself. Mm. You know, a mediocre leader will train you how to be dependent on them for leadership. It's the difference. Great leaders are always like, I want to serve you, but ultimately I'm here to help you trust yourself. So that's really going to come down to how much does that leader trust themselves? That's just a key indicator. If you're looking at your team and asking like, what's the edge? How can I become more trustworthy to these people? Well, what if you were helping them trust themselves and trust their path and trust their own unique way? Because there's the Jake way, there's the Ben way, there's the Michael way, there's the Rob way. But there's also the Alex Kremer way. Right. Part of that is this organization, this ability to help each of your team members find that ability to trust themselves. I think that's dead on. And my next logical question is how? <laughs> Hypothetically speaking, you know, in a perfect world, yeah, help figure out your uniqueness, own your uniqueness, and bring that to the world in whatever context that you are meant to bring that to the world. But if I'm a leader and I'm listening to you, I'm like, that sounds really good. And I got eight people on my team that are reporting to me. Where do I even start that journey of supporting people along that path? Well, you want to support and challenge them, right? And we're going to grow maximally in an environment of support and challenge. And to be really honest with that, I'm going to support you and challenge you. So that's where maximum growth will happen. And that's where a poised mind and poised emotions can happen. If people are seeking support without challenge or challenge without support, we'll get highly polarized. And it's hard to trust yourself when you're in a polarized environment. So I would look at your team's stack of human development. One, their physiology. How poised is this person in their physical energy and vitality? How poised are you in your physical energy and vitality? Then I'd look at their emotional resilience. How poised are their emotional resilience? Do they have the capacity to handle rejection and all the things that come along with the types of things you're leading people through? We grow developmentally from physical safety, physical vitality to emotional well-being to mental well-being, the ability to focus and focus on a task and get it done. And then the upper mind. So how poised is someone in their upper mind, their ability to have a strategy that makes sense, that's going to help them get what they want, create order in their lives. And if you can trust yourself physically, emotionally, and mentally, that's a really great start. But then you start to ask the questions that you're asking, that I was asking is like, how can I trust myself spiritually? How can mm. I trust the intelligence beyond my rational intelligence, which developmentally we call that transrational or post-rational intelligence? And when you have that stack of a really healthy relationship to your physical vitality, emotional vitality, mental capacity, and spiritual capacity, you now have a whole human. And then when you get that into the interrelational field, now I'm trusting myself emotionally, Alex is trusting himself emotionally and physically, and we're trusting ourselves mentally, you're trusting yourself mentally, and now we can start to connect to intelligence beyond that. That takes time to cultivate. And again, I'd look for a great mentor who's already cultivated that at some level of mastery, hopefully a, a really high quality of mastery, if you're going to go down that road. But you want to trust the foundational stuff first before you go for the spiritual stuff right off the bat, because that could be painful. 
to go off on the spiritual quest without having a strong foundation of a strong sense of self and relationship to your physiology and emotions and mental capacity. It's so dead on. And what I really like about it, though, and it resonates a lot because whether it be the physical, the emotional or mental, like that's the foundational piece right there. You can't really start to get into the spiritual or above until you at least have the foundation set. And that part takes an immense amount of time and commitment and intentionality. Like even in my own journey, I've been meditating for about 30 minutes every single morning for now about five, six, seven years, somewhere along those lines. Mm -hmm. Each time that I'm doing it, I'm starting to be like, oh, so this is what it's really like. (laughs) Now I'm actually starting to get it. I threw my first immersion this past weekend and it was one of the first times where I was like, oh, I can actually start to feel the field mm-hmm. a little bit more. I can start to be more in touch with the container and where the vibration and the frequency of everybody in this room is at a higher low. And I actually can start to feel how I can affect it. And it was one of my first times I was like, whoa, did I just realize this? <laughs> did I just reach a new rung on the ladder and also I'm very cognizant of there's a shit ton more rungs on the ladder. I'm looking ahead of me, but I'm like, this is cool. Look at that. (laughs) I really want to commend you for the foundational work that you've worked on for your own personal development. Because, you know, honestly, spirituality does have a bad name sometimes to really practical people because there are people out there who are, let's just say, really into the spiritual intelligence and trying to climb rungs out there without a sturdy ladder of their foundation built. And then people are like, well, shit, I don't want to do the spirituality things. It looks really like it's not so grounded. But what you've done to cultivate that awareness you just had at your retreat is you've nailed your foundations. Like you're also running, you're working out, you're taking care of your physical vitality, you're working on your emotions consistently, you're working on setting clear, congruent objectives that turn into goals that aren't just pie in the sky goals or fear driven goals. They're clear and objective because your mind's clear. So one, I just really want to share with you what an honor it is to watch someone who's built a strong foundation first to then allow the spiritual intelligence to ripen in its right time. So it's just really worth you validating the way you've gone about it. Yeah, it feels good to hear you say that too. And it does feel validating. I appreciate that because I've definitely been in the experience where I'm trying to tap into the spiritual or the, you know, up here before I have my foundation set. What it causes is maybe there's this peak experience mm-hmm. and, and then it's gone. And it's this pendulum of, I feel great. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I feel like shit. And, <laughs> and then back and then back. And it's like this right. fleeting feeling. And it's, again, it's not grounded. And one thing that you are constantly leading me through is grounding through my sacrum down into the middle <laughs> of the earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bringing that energy down, wrapping it around the middle of the earth and almost like bringing that up from there. So I actually think that could be a cool thing for you to walk through is even the Mahalo method. That's something that you've really, you've created that I've done, that I've received an immense amount of value from and just share what that is. Well, I can share first how it came about. I was really clear that I had access to the best teachers and teachings on the planet. And I was also clear that the majority of those teachings are not palpable to most people. Most people are not interested in what somebody did in a cave. Most people aren't interested in studying quantum physics. And so the marketplace really doesn't often care about what great masters of meditation 
the language they're speaking is just different than, hey, what are our KPIs and how do we hit our targets and our revenue numbers and how do we create a thriving, flourishing culture? There's people asking different questions. So I was really curious around how do I create a simple technology that's a synthesis of all the best tools that I've gathered over the years and give it to people in a way where they can own it. Yeah, like I'm going to teach it to them. Like I share the Mahalo method with you. But ultimately, I'm sure in ways you've done it with yourself and you've shared it with team members and little bits and pieces, and you probably know how to go through it. So the whole intention of it is like a comprehensive tool, one tool that's a synthesis of great tools to give to someone that they can use. So that was the intention behind it. Why don't we just walk through? Is that cool? I'm in. Okay, cool. So (laughs) step one is presence. What's really fascinating is that If we have a healthy relationship to time, then we realize there's a quality of time that's right here, right now that shows up on our watch that we're all keeping track of. And in the business world, people have an over-association to this intelligence of time because we've got to hit deadlines and dates. And so people have this strong charge around time. But in the great yogi traditions, there's a quality of time that's limitless, that's boundless and timeless. And true presence is the synthesis of time and timelessness. And when you're really in that state and you bring your awareness to right here, right now, and the quality of time that is ticking and the quality of time that's limitless and boundless, time gets really interesting where you can start to have a greater influence on the field. And now you have the energy and intelligence of love, the vibration of love in relationship with time. So step one is going to help you optimize your relationship to time. That's what that's doing. Step two is sovereignty. So what I noticed in working with leaders is that they're taking on other people's energy. There's mom, there's dad, there's their leader, they're their coaches, their mentors, and it's all up in their field. And they're not even aware of that they're creating with other people's energy in their field, which is essentially cutting them off from their source, cutting them off from whatever you want to call the organizing intelligence of the universe or God or what your soul connects to beyond you. If you've got other people's energy and information in your field, we're essentially not sovereign. Step two helps people come back to their innate intelligence. Like we were talking about the ability to trust yourself. So step two is really about trusting yourself. Step three is about liberation and freedom. So if anything is stuck in your system, in your operating system, you've got a lot of fear or judgment or doubt or whatever it is that is a bound energy that's wanting to be liberated. You spend a little bit of time on that until you can get to the fourth step. After the liberation of bound energy, what's the fourth step? That does lead to coherence. I'm just calling clear and coherence. So from coherence, we start to really get connected, heart connected, body connected, mind connected, soul connected to the field, like what you're experiencing at your retreat this past weekend. Coherence is going to lead to opening our hearts, feeling really good, being really connected, tuned in, tapped in. And then when we have that, we start to get clear. And clarity is present time. The fifth step is clarity. And it's a really important one to consider. It's present time clarity. So you might get a knowingness, but what happens if the mind grasps onto it? Oh, this is my revenue objective that I just got in my present time clarity. It likes to have a little meal on that. And it says, I need to have that. But clarity is always present time. And so it's really important to know that if you start to bind the energy, you just need to go back to liberation. But if you're really open to, okay, it looks like my revenue number is let's just say $30 million. 
that just came up the other day. Okay, great. So that now is clear. Let's not be either attached or detached to it. Let that be present time clear information. And then the next step is the ability to organize. Once we have clarity, the sixth step is organization. Now you start to create order in your field. That reality, let's just use 30 million in revenue. So that 30 million can start to organize in your field. And there's an energetic frequency that you can start to feel. I'm sure you felt this before in our work. You can start to feel the energy and the coherence of what it's like to start to have that order be manifesting. And it can even start to show you what does it look like? What tactics might you want to implement? What strategy is going to show up that would be aligned with that reality happening? And you can start to get really grounded, let it feel good in your heart for that reality. It's always easier to manifest from love. So when we're in organization, it's to realize that most people are creating from need and fear. I need this, or I'm afraid that I'm not going to get this, which causes massive action and massive polarization and a lot of creating with doubt, which is fine, but we're just back into stress mode and burning the adrenals out to hit a goal versus flow state. And so if you're creating and you're at the sixth stage of the Mahalo method and you're in your heart wanting what you're wanting and you're really clear in what it is, it should start to come in really easy and it should be obvious. The steps should lay out right in front of you. And then you can maintain the flow state to hit the objective as opposed to creating a big, hairy, audacious goal that you're going to need to stress to and it's going to knock you out of your flow and knock you out of your zone to hit it. And then the seventh step is Mahalo. So it's going to your heart and being grateful for who you are, where you're at the team members involved in that, grateful for your connection to the universe, the extent of the magnitude of gratitude can really expand there. So gratitude really locks it in, essentially letting go of the attachment to it. I'm absolutely grateful for where I'm at. If I hit this objective, great. If I don't, it's great too, but it's the thing I'm focusing on now and I'm going to lock into it. And nine times out of 10, if someone stays aligned with it, it's going to manifest. The only reason it wouldn't is if one, they were not honest with themselves with what their truth was, and they were in a little bit of a fantasy or a phobia, or they simply just change their objective. Sometimes people will change their objective. They'll get new information, and it's like, okay, I actually want this objective instead. Maybe it's $40 million in revenue. And that actually is coherent because they've done work on themselves, and they've grown, and that becomes a really obvious objective to hit, and it becomes easy to hit, not just something that you've got to strive for. Mm. So that's it in simple terms. That's how it flows. It's funny. The seventh step of Mahalo, I always just hear you saying like, Mahalo. Mahalo. <laughs> I remember you shot me over a voice memo guiding me through the Mahalo method. And I listened to that. I don't even know how many times, but I always remember the final. Like, and the last step is Mahalo. That's ingrained into me. I think that actually came from our friend Amanda. I think mm. she was the first one to say that. I, it's like Amanda or Britt, my friend Britt, I, it's pretty interesting. Like people have been influential on what the Mahalo method is because it's like, oh, it just feels really good at the end. We should say something really good like Mahalo. And then that became a thing. Oh, it, does, it feels great to do the Mahalo method. It's a good time. This episode is brought to you by Alluvians. Alluvians is helping sales professionals and sales leaders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. Last year, we threw over four retreats and helped over 150 tech sales professionals, leaders, and founders. And next, we got it going on May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas area. So make sure you apply to alluvians.co to check it out for more. What I love about how you describe this, though, is you describe it as a technology 
to support you in manifesting. It's the Mahalo method, a manifestation method, you know, whatever you want to call it. And it's you really cohering to the field at the liberation step three. You got all this gunk on us. Get that out of there. That's not mine. Clean that up. Then gaining that clarity and then adhering to the field. In essence, the way that I view that is you start to come from a certain vibrational energy that's putting up an antenna up into the world. And that's attracting that same type of vibrational energy or frequency back to you, creating what you're putting out in the world. Well, ideally, when you're in coherence, it's synonymous with love and not filial love, not like the love that we just get pleasure from. It's true love. It's true. When you're in this state of coherence, you're in a loving place. And when you're in a loving place, that's the intention of the universe. The intention of the universe is love. So when you're organizing your life around enlightened intention, which is love, things manifest more readily. You positioned up here, but honestly, it's everywhere. I mean, love already is everywhere. It's simply that things are organizing around that substrate, and it's either synthesized love or highly polarized love. I really need this outcome is going to be more polarized love. I'd love this outcome. It would just feel really good in my heart. It would really nourish my heart to hit $40 million in revenue. That would really inspire me. That would allow me to help so many more people and allow my team to flourish, allow me to serve the marketplace, serve humanity, allow me to give my gifts, allow me to create profitability for myself and for my team members and for my partners. That would just really inspire me. That then becomes the relationship to that objective as opposed to like, I need it. And then we've got to create from adrenals burning and fear. And most of the people teaching flow state out there are teaching people how to get into it from your head. But in their physical body, they're still burning their adrenals. They're still stressing, but they're a little bit more present in their head. And that's the difference. The Mahalo method is integration between the body, the heart, the mind, and spirit. It's not a negation of any of those. So as you are speaking with all these different leaders out there in the world, you're speaking to and you're coaching executives, people who are running multi-million dollar organizations, and you have incredible people who seek you out. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the biggest thing that's preventing people from tapping into what you are talking through? What's holding us back from this? Well, fear and stress is a really strong addiction. It's worked for millennia. It's a survival energy and it's really smart and it's not to be negated or poo-pooed. It's like this extremely intelligent thing that when we use our adrenals to burn our adrenals and burn cortisol to get results, it works and we survive. And it's a really primal intelligence. And just about any high achiever I meet has a strong amount of invalidation that then they have used this addiction to whatever it was. It was a teacher, it was a parent, it was something that taught them about invalidation. And then they use this energy of, I'll prove you wrong. I can do this. And then that energy ends up being an addiction to achievement. Achievement doesn't need to happen from an addiction to stress. You can achieve from an addiction to love, which would be the higher path. That would be a greater capacity. So the thing that I always see people come in with is they have gotten a lot of secondary gain out of stress. They've gotten tremendously amazing results, top 1% results, unfathomable results, world-class results, multi-million dollar results from stressing their way to that. One of my clients said, I love this. I want to break up with stress. I'm just, I'm done with it. I want to break up with stress. 
uh, that just opened my heart fully. I was like, yes, like that is the foundation of the work. You're on the right path. That's what we're here to do. But you can still achieve everything you want. You don't need stress to get there. It just worked. And we got to ask ourselves, you have choice, right? You've got the free will to choose. Do you want to maintain the addiction to stress or do you want to choose a path that's really going to help you flourish? I've never seen someone be addicted to stress and be flourishing in their life. They can maybe pretend they are, but it's not happening. I relate so much to that <laughs> because for so long and still in many ways, it's a core part of who I am. I've tried to achieve mm -hmm. from a sense of I'm not good enough mm -hmm. and I'm trying to make myself therefore be good enough. And in sales too, like there's been many days where I go home ball my eyes out, feel the stress, <laughs> feel the anxiety, feel the, am I good enough? Even if I've done it over and over again, and I've been successful over and over again, there's still that, well, I'm still not at where I need to be. It's an addictive feeling. I, I agree. I've never thought of stress as an addiction because my philosophy has always been up to this point in my life. And I just got a paradigm shift from a shaman who shared this with me, but I always thought nice. in order to get what we want, we have to work really hard. Yeah. Right. We have to work really hard in our careers, in our relationships, for our health, in our family. Work hard. The harder you work, the more you're going to get. And that has served me up to a point, right? That gets us to a certain thing. But what I'm hearing from you is there's a ceiling that causes right from there. And what the shaman said to me too, and honed it so much, she said, what if it didn't need to be hard? What if it could actually be easy? Mm -hmm. And the way it was easy was by serving something both greater than yourself. And by number two, what you said, coming from love. Mm -hmm. I mean that. To be it. And it's like, oh, that makes sense. That sounds easy. <laughs> right. But it's one of the hardest things in the world is to have an easy life. <laughs> it's a paradigm right there in itself. Well, you also have to ask yourself, would you really want an easy life? Because again, easy and hard are a pair of opposites here. So love's the synthesis of easy and hard. And what he's teaching you is the other side of the pendulum for you. So you're like, no, it's got to be hard. And he's like, what if it was easy? The vibration of love is going to be right at the synthesis. There will be easy days, hard days. But if you have no charge on easy or hard, if easy and hard are just neutral in your psyche, in your emotional body, if you don't have a filial phobia to easy or hard, like a lot of high achievers especially masculine ones, right? Like hard is this badge of honor of I did it hard and I'm better than everyone else. So I deserve more honor. That was like great for the strongest warrior out there. But again, war and peace are a pair of opposites. As men, we have a philia for war and then the phobia of peace. And then the feminine will have a philia of peace and a phobia of war. And then when we synthesize these, we get to love. All complementary opposites are going to give us the energy and intelligence of love. Imagine a reality if everything was easy for you. Something inside of us would be like questing for a challenge so we could grow and develop and rub up against reality and feel it viscerally and taste it and want a little bit of a challenge. Mm. But a lot of times in the business world, we've quested for the person who can overcome challenge the most is going to get paid the most, make the most. Some of the top leaders in the world are still in this paradigm. Half of Twitter just got fired because they were wanting it to be easy and not wanting it to be hard. And Elon Musk is like, it's all got to be hard. Mm -hmm. So you have these contrasts of belief systems, but at the synthesis, like true love and true leadership is at the synthesis of both. And that's where we're going to find the most fulfillment and the most flourishing anyhow, and probably the most achievement if that's what your heart's really wanting to achieve.
Well, you and I have both studied tier two. I know you're really big on spiral dynamics. You really dove into a lot of that work right there. The tier two model talks about there's the new type of leader where, in my opinion, is very much of what you are preaching and trying to aspire other people to be and also trying yourself to live by, mm-hmm. which is this level of consciousness that's combined with the driving results. There's been a shit ton of change lately, brother. Like mm-hmm. within the tech world, whether you want to call it Twitter, you want to talk at COVID, you want to talk about the recession that we're embarking upon, everybody being isolated. The idea of what type of leader the world is needing right now that doesn't take us, what many might say is not such a good direction. What do you feel like is the leader that is being required to take us to as a humanity, as a world, as all beings in this universe is needing right now? What are you seeing? Well, I'm seeing that certain individuals like yourself are just being tapped on the shoulder and they're just aware. It's like your number is being called and you just have this innate inspiration to grow as a leader and to develop the type of competencies that are going to help you be in, let's just call it a tier two type of intelligence as a leader. And the universe is always at a pendulum. It's always seeking equilibrium. So as you move up the tiers of human development, some of these developmental phases are more altruistic, some are more narcissistic. And then at the synthesis of altruism and narcissism, you know, what's good for you, let's call it capitalism. What's good for the collective, that's just called socialism. You want to see that a lot of people have a philia for capitalism in the United States and a phobia of socialism. But what do great leaders know? They lead themselves, take care of themselves, and they lead their team, they take care of others. And then their team takes care of themselves. So there's always taking care of you, taking care of others, challenging and supporting your team members to lead themselves. Because if they were just depending on you for great leadership, then they're not leading themselves. So I think what we're seeing is people getting their number called. And the timing is just perfect for, let's just say over the next five to 10 years for a real blossoming of corporate culture, entrepreneurship culture to happen. It's really pretty inspiring because people like yourself are in high demand because employees are like, we want leaders who like really get the thing that no one can explain. Otherwise, I don't want to come to work. I'd rather just sit at home and twiddle my thumbs because I really want to find great meaning, great purpose, great fulfillment. And I really want to grow as a human being. If I'm going to spend 70 hours a week in the context of my profession, I want to become the best version of myself. Where are the people that can help me cultivate that intelligence? Here you are in your corporate role as someone who can help the people that you're leading cultivate that. That's the paradigm shift. Entrepreneurs are stepping up. It's a little bit easier for them because they have the freedom. So they don't have like a board of directors and some ridiculous number to hit because they already IPO'd and they don't have those types of pressures. So they can be more congruent with their truth as opposed to being governed by outside sources. They can be self-governed and they can tune in their spiritual intelligence to be governed as opposed to being governed by money and governed by stress and governed by the market. We don't want to be governed by the market. We want to serve the market. And then the market serves us. That's the paradigm shift. If you look at the substrate, people are submissive to the market and people are submissive to money. In that sovereignty step, people let money in their crowd and then they ground through money and they make money God. It's not. It's really not. It's a useful tool and it's really wonderful to manifest it and work with it as an intelligence and as a quality, but it certainly isn't God. And if we've been treating it like the golden cow as we treat it, then it's not going to be as effective as if we're connecting the source directly and stewarding money and stewarding businesses from our heart. That's where we're going to see the marketplace flourish. I think it'll probably take 30 years for that to happen. 
but people like you are already doing it inside of these organizations. So kudos for you, man. Yeah, I mean, what I take from that is, do we as leaders need to drive revenue for companies? Yes, that's required for sustainability. That's required to continue to feed. Well, let, me, let me pause with that. You use the word need, and we just discussed that. What if you didn't need it? What if your company didn't exist? The universe would be just fine. Any company that exists could disappear tomorrow, and the universe would be just fine without it. But what if we could go to our hearts and say, oh, I'd love to generate revenue. And I'd love what's best for our customer to manifest. And I'd love what's best for my team to manifest. So the evolution of the marketplace, instead of needing to create from need, it'd be to look for omni win-win, which I'm sure you and Robbie have talked about. It's a win for your customer. It's a win for your team. It's a win for the marketplace. It's a win for your shareholders. Everybody wins. That's an energetic and that's a frequency. It's not a thought. It's not something intellectually it's going to your heart genuinely wanting that. When every company is coming from that, the whole marketplace will flourish. Omni win-win. And at some point, companies that just don't have the mentality are going to die. And that will be just fine. Yeah, I've heard you say many times to me in our sessions, whenever I want something, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a job, whether it be purpose, you've always guided me in saying, what if you just love to have that? <laughs> and, I, and it goes back to having the foundation of, I'm actually already whole. I'm actually already sovereign. True. And I'm able to take some of this wonderful whatever I got going on here and give that and spread that and call that in myself versus I need that thing to then make me feel whole. I need the relationship to make me feel. I need the job to make me feel whole because that's fleeting and you have it and then you need you hold on to it so hard. <laughs> let me rephrase that. I hold on to it so hard. <laughs> Understand. You know, let, me stop, let me stop projecting here real quick. I hold on to it so tight because it makes me feel good and I'm terrified to let it go. Even as you share, I'm just like, oh, what if we let it go? And already source from that, oh man, wouldn't, I would love that because that would then bring more love. And that stuff then is attracted to you. It's, not, it's less of me like forcing it to happen to me. It's what if I just was a beacon here and it was attractive to me. It's coming to you and you're also then just taking congruent action. Whatever your inspired action is, is a match to it manifesting because you're in your heart and it's coming from love anyhow. And an equilibrated mind, equilibrated heart and body and emotions, it's going to just see the objective that's clear as opposed to like, we need to hit this because we're not okay if we don't. Eventually that mimetic structure, that intelligence, it's just clear. If you just look at the supercomputers and the really intelligent people, it's just clear that win-lose dynamics economically are finite, that there's a certain shelf life on that. So in time, leaders are going to congruently embody this win-win intelligence. And that just means you got to understand what love truly is. True love is always going to meet true quantum physics, is going to meet true fair exchange of value in the marketplace, as opposed to lopsided fair exchange of value where one company wins and then their customer kind of wins or doesn't really win or doesn't really get what they want. So that's the flourishing that's going to happen. So like where there's truly win-win-win dynamics in all sectors, in all systems. That's going to come from leaders like you. What feels really good is when you say 30 years from now, it's going to be a new way of life, a new type of leader, a new type of culture. Like I get really excited about that. And what I'm even more excited about is I'm starting that journey today. I've, we've yeah. started that journey. And by us going first, us trying to embody this, us starting to talk through this, right? We're trying to be the leaders who are bringing forth this new wave. Mm -hmm. 
And when we are showing up this type of way, the people who are leading, they just say, this is just how it is. <laughs> they don't know the old way, especially if I'm leading people who are in their 20s, early 30s. But if I can show up this way, they're like, oh, this is just how teams and cultures and leaders show up. Maybe when I move into that leadership role, I'm going to just be that exact same way because that's what I know. And if I could mirror something fun that I'm seeing in your language that I think would be really useful for you and your team and for your flourishing and their flourishing is notice your relationship to the word try with this. And what if you could just really trust that you know all of the tools that you need and you have? And what if you could just go to your heart and trust yourself? I would really love to embody this now. Because <laughs> and compared to most people, you're nailing it. In your word try, there's a humility in your growth edge. But when you get to love, you're also absolutely owning that you're on the path. You're <laughs> absolutely on that path. And then there's a sense of congruence that comes in for you that your team members are hungry for. Oh, this guy trusts himself. Mm. I just really mm. invite you to see that. Yeah. Just really honoring where you are developmentally based on this retreat you just had, based on the evidence that you have in your life, based on the results you've accomplished, based on the work that you've done and absolute truth with who you know yourself to be present time. You've grown a lot, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it really feels like it's the very beginning of the beginning. <laughs> You've heard me say that. It's always true for you. I love it. Many it's times, always man. true for you. <laughs> no other way of looking at it. It's 100%. So, that's the right attitude, man. We've gone deep here, man. And this is like exactly what I was hoping that we would do on this. And I honestly feel I'm like, man, if I just ran like a Joe Rogan-esque podcast where we could just be on here for three hours and just like jam out, like <laughs> you, you would be the guy who I would want to do that with. So Totally. Yeah, same, same. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I usually like a 30-minute podcast, but yeah, we could jam all day. It's pretty easy, we man. Could. We <laughs> could. Got two, two more questions for you. The first question is this. If people are like listening to your words, like, wow, how do I learn more, follow that guy, just pick up the transmission that he's putting out there in the world, how do people follow you? You can find me on jakemerriman.com. My company that I'm building that's a derivative of the Mahalo method is mahaloacademy.com which is really just coming out of stealth in Q2 here, Q2 2023. So it's a very good time to be sharing this. Mostly just been working with people one-on-one. -on -one. And yeah, it's a very exciting, inspiring time for me to bring it to more people. So either of those, jakemerriman.com, mahaloacademy.com, feel free to reach out. Someone will get back to you. Mm. Mahalo Academy. Mahalo. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, I got one more question. Before I, I give you this last question here, I just want to acknowledge you, my friend, being able to receive your leadership, receive your coaching, and also to be able to witness the path that you are so committed to yourself. And one of the ways and reasons why you are so able to share the journey is because you have gone through it. <laughs> you are in it and you are sharing that. So thank you just for your commitment and the hundreds, thousands, millions of people that you have impacted and that you will continue to impact, whether it be directly or indirectly. So just like I acknowledge you and I see you, brother. Thank you for that. Yeah, I see you too. And it is the beginning of the beginning. Like I know my own growth edges, you know, the places where I get uncomfortable inside of my own psyche. And I just have absolute confidence in my own devotion to that growth, just like you do have in yours too. So thanks mm. for acknowledging that. And thanks for the time today. It was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. All right. My last question for you. This is my sizzle question. You ready for it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's the name it. of this podcast is the Rising Leader Podcast. Uh -huh. What do you view is the rising leader? 
somebody who wants to embody the energy and intelligence of love and share that with others. And so there's an evolution in that, which is going to make you rise. And then there's an involution spirit coming into the body, which is going to make you feel settled and safe on the planet, safe to be you. So there's both of those things happening simultaneously. So we're both rising and we're coming down into the body. Our spirit mm. is coming into the body simultaneously. That to me is any leader who's committed to love mm. is that rising leader. Mm. Bing. <laughs> that, was, that was impressive. That means it's got to be true <laughs> right there. <laughs> that was impressive. That came out of nowhere. <laughs> That's divine intervention right there, it's man. It's funny because I closed all that down until I was trying to get on this new link you sent me. And then I opened it up and forgot to close it. Oh, man. If there's not a better way to to end it with that, I don't know what is. So thank you, Brother Jacob, for being on and sharing your truth, your wisdom, and your love. And to all the leaders and the listeners who joined us today, thank you so much. And if you got one nugget from this, share it with somebody who needs to feel it. Jake, thank you, brother. Appreciate you. And hit follow and subscribe on this podcast because this is a human being, Alex Kremer, that is... A truly inspiring person to be with and to know, and highly recommend that if you got anything out of this, keep listening to this thing. I'm certainly going to listen to this as you are an amazing (laughs) path and amazing trajectory, man. So I love you, brother. Thanks for listening to the Rising Leader Podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button so you get notified every time a new episode releases. If you know someone who wants to take their lives and their career to the next level, send them this episode so we can all rise together. For more information, check out alluviance.co. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, keep letting it flow. This episode is brought to you by Alluviance. Alluviance is helping sales professionals, sales leaders, and founders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. In the past 12 months, we've thrown four retreats and impacted over 100 tech sales leaders, founders on not just getting better at the craft, but really working on the inner game, gaining clarity on their vision, and also overcoming what's holding them back. The best part is you'll be doing it in an incredible community of high performers who are also trying to do the exact same thing. Our next immersion is going to be this May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas. And make sure you check out alluvians.co to apply there. Can't wait to see you.